light is vanilla tonight, but the craziness going on there is that she stays tonight. But in the midst of that bunch, you, Boaz and Ruth, they maintain their purity and integrity and character. It's a beautiful picture of Boaz protecting Ruth. And so the next morning, Ruth goes back home to Naomi. And Naomi's like, girl, what happened? Oh, I mean, you got a ring? Are we planning a wedding? What's going on? And, and Ruth says, no, 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 we're going to figure this out today. And, and, and Naomi said, don't worry, Boaz will settle this matter in 24 hours. And so the curtain, last night, the curtain closes right there. The curtain closes on Ruth and Naomi, and they don't speak for the rest of the book, which is only one chapter. And now Boaz, Boaz is going to the city gate. Boaz is going to the city gate of Bethlehem to settle this matter, to find this redeemer. And now, today, or for us, tonight, we are going to find out who Ruth is going to marry. Is it going to be Boaz? Or is it going to be this other redeemer guy that we have not yet met? So if you're ready to find out, let's roll. Ruth chapter are you ready tonight? Are you there? Say yes. All right, here we go. Ruth chapter 4. Now Boaz, our boy Boaz, had gone up to the city gate. That is the gate of the city of Bethlehem. And he sat down. And behold, look who was coming by. None other than this Redeemer who has gifts first on Ruth. Of whose Boaz had spoken, he came by. And so Boaz said to him, Hey, 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 you, you over there, turn aside, friend, sit down. And he turned aside and he sat down. Let's unpack this for a minute. The city gate right there is where the elders of the town would have gathered to settle official business. Think modern day courthouse where they would handle official business. And not only was this city gate a place to hold official business, it was also the best place to find someone. Lots of people hanging out. Think social gathering. And so Boaz, after this night, he's like, dude, we got to handle this matter. We got to handle this now. I'm going to go to the city gate because I know if I'm hanging out there, eventually this guy is going to pass by. And guess what? The other guy, this other redeemer shows up. But we don't like him. We don't like the other redeemer. We like Boaz. We want Ruth to marry Boaz and not this other guy. And he shows up. And in fact, he is so insignificant in the story, the author does not even give us his name. We don't even know who this guy is. Now, Boaz knows who he is because he's done his research. He's like, I know who I'm going to track down so I can marry Ruth. And so he's there. He sees him coming. He gets his attention. Hey, 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 you, come over here. Sit down right here. And then verse 2, he took ten men of the elders of the city. And he told the elders, hey, sit down here. And so what do they do? They sat down. Boaz, again, is not wasting any time. He's about to get down to business. He's got the elders there. He's got this other redeemer dude there. He's like, okay, it's time to talk business. Enough of the small talk. Let's talk about Ruth. Verse 3. Then he said to this redeemer, you remember Naomi? Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, she's selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. Y'all remember Elimelech? Naomi's husband who died. Verse 4. So I thought, here's what I would do. I thought I would tell you of it and say, man, you better buy it in the presence of those sitting here. Remember, he's got ten elders there. I mean, this is official business right here. He's like, hey, you need to buy this in the presence of those sitting here, in the presence of the elders of my people, if you will redeem it. Then redeem it. I mean, do it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. Now, hold on a second. Now, if I'm Boaz, and I'm in love with Ruth, and I know my only chance at marrying Ruth is to redeem this land, to be the kinsman redeemer, homeboy is doing a really good sales job to this other redeemer guy. He's like, dude, you're in love, so if you want to buy it, buy it. Do it, it's land. I mean, I mean, you've got Naomi, but listen, here's the deal. Naomi, she's old. I mean, I know she's a little modern 
I don't want it anymore. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, verse 8, keep reading. When the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. What did he do? He drew off his sandal. Verse 9, then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, hey, hey, hello. Y'all watching this? Hello, You are witnesses to this day. You're witnesses to the fact that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilion and to Malon. Verse 10, also Ruth, also Ruth the, the Moabite. I get her too, thank you very much. The widow of Malon, I have bought her to be
verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. Beautiful. And he went into her, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Can I point out one more time for you? They got married first, and then they had sex second. That's the right order, y'all. Marriage first. Get it on second, all right? No sex without the wedding ring. Protect your purity. That's God's best for you. Verse 14. And then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. Now, okay, remember Naomi. Don't call me Naomi. Call me what? Call me. All right. I'm better. And so now all the ladies are like, Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer. And may his name be renowned in Israel. All they have no idea. And y'all don't either because this comment, I mean, y'all think this is the best part. It's about to get me, but it's about to go. It's about to be. I mean, it's just the and he says, he shall be to you a restorer of life. Restorer of life. And a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you is more to you than seven sons has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. When we saw Naomi. Hey, hey. Chapter 1, I went away full, I came back empty, I got nothing, no hope, no job, no future, nothing on the horizon, and now she's sitting there with her grandchild in her lap. She's holding a baby. Verse 17, and the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, which is a little weird, but I guess Ruth and Boaz didn't name the, the baby the neighborhood gave. The son has been given to Naomi, and they named him Obed. Jesse, the father of David. Let's finish this out. 18, 19, 20, 21. It's a genealogy. Some of y'all think these are boring. There's a point here. And now these are the generations of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram. Ram, Abinadab, Abinadab, Nashon, Nashon, Salmon, Salmon, Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed. And Obed grew up, got married, and they had a son. Jesse. Jesse grew up, got married, and he had a bunch of sons. And then one day, one day, God told the prophet Samuel, hey, hey, listen, listen to me. I want to raise up a king. And I need you to go find me a king. I need you to go anoint me a king. And so I want you to go to the house of Jesse because he's got a lot of boys. And so Samuel rolls in to Jesse's house, and one by one, Jesse's sons come by him. And, and Samuel's thinking, this is the one, this is the one, this is the one, this is the one. And God's like, uh-uh, I'm not looking at the outward appearance. I'm more concerned about the heart. And so finally Samuel says to Jesse, Jesse, do you got any more kids? Do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, yeah, I got one, but he's a little rough boy. He's out there, he's out there tending the sheep. And he's like, no, 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 go get him. Go get him and bring him in. And they brought him in. And guess who it was? It was David. And God said, that is my man. And Samuel anointed David as king of Israel. And if you're doing the genealogy, I got it here for you. You got Ruth plus Boaz equals Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David. Do you see it? God used a Moabite woman, lenient, a Moabite woman as the result of Elimelech's sin, leaving the house of bread, going to the land of Moab. He used a 
listen to me students, listen to me really good. God will still take people with a scandalous past and a hopeless present and a dark future and redeem us for His glory and our good. This whole story points to Jesus. Ruth, Ruth, write this down. Ruth is a picture of humanity and Jesus is our most glorious Boaz. You see, we are Ruth. We're the foreigner. We're the alien. We're estranged from God, hopeless, on the outside looking in. And Jesus, our glorious Boaz, comes to pursue us and to redeem us. This story points to what Jesus has done and wants to do for you and for me. So let me give you how I got left. Let me give you three takeaways. Three takeaways on this gorgeous story, this beautiful love story between Ruth and Boaz that points us to the greatest love story of all time between Jesus and us and how God loves us. So first off, I want you to write this down. If you're a believer, if you're a Christian, if you claim to be a Christian in the room, this one's for you. God wants to use you regardless of your past, regardless of your ability, regardless of what you have or what you don't have. God, listen to me. This is last night. I gotta give it all I got right here. God wants to use you. And he loves you. Students, he loves you and he wants to use you. Regardless of your past, regardless of what you think you have, regardless of what skill sets you have, regardless of what you bring to the table. Case in point, Ruth. What did Ruth bring to the table? Absolutely nothing. She had no hope, no future, no money, no skill sets. All she brought to the table was, hey, I believe that God can use me by obedience and my surrender. Students, you've got to understand this. You've got to learn that God works through your availability, not ability. Ruth brought nothing to the table. Yet God used her to bring the Savior of the world into the world. God isn't worried about your past. I know there are some of you in here, you have crossed the line, maybe when it comes to purity, or you feel like you got this sin going on, and you think that sin disqualifies me from God using me. And that is not the case. He still loves you, and He wants to use you. He's not looking for a person who's perfect. He's not looking for someone who's got abilities. He's not looking for someone who's got a lot of talent or bad skills. The only thing that God wants from you is your complete and total surrender and obedience. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Have you placed your yes on the table when it comes to your relationship with God? Say, God, God, here it is, here it is, here it is. Man, I may have messed up in the past. I may have sinned. I may have crossed the line. But at the end of the day, listen, God, you have, you have total access to everything in my life. You have my total surrender, and you have my total obedience. Because that's exactly what Ruth gave God. I don't have anything. I don't have any skill sets. I'm a foreigner. I'm a Moabite in Israel, and I'm dumpster diving in somebody else's field. She said, you have my faithfulness and my obedience. I'm going to be obedient to you. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to guard my purity. I'm going to be a virtuous woman. I'm going to be a woman worthy of respect. Boaz, a man worthy. Yes, on the table. Does God have that when it comes to you? Does God have complete access to your present, who you hang out with, who you date, who you don't date, what you do, what you look at on your phone, what you, how much time you spend on social media? Does he have access to everything? And I know in a crowd this big, listen to me. I know some of y'all, some of y'all are wrestling with the call of full vocational ministry. Some of you feel like God is kind of prompting you. And you're going to say, hey, hey, I want you in ministry full time. And you're wrestling with that. Does God have your yes on the table? For some of y'all, God's telling you, listen, listen, listen. You need to break up with a girlfriend or a boyfriend. And you're like, oh, does God have your yes? Oh, does he have your yes? Total surrender and total obedience. For some of you, God's put on your heart. You got to go home. You got to have a hard conversation. 
believe in you. I believe that you're good. I believe that you love me. And so, yeah, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my yes on the table. Whatever you're telling me to do, to start doing, to stop doing, whatever it is, I'm putting my yes on the table, and I'm going to trust you with the consequences because I believe that your will is best for my life. So if you're telling me break up with this girlfriend, break up with this boyfriend, I'm going to do it because I trust you. If you're telling me to get away from this friend group, I'm going to do it. Why? Because I trust you. If you're telling me to change my major, where are you going to this as opposed to that? I'm going to trust you. Whatever it is, I'm going to trust you because the only thing you demand from me is my total 100% surrender and obedience and you're good and I trust you. Listen, listen. He's good. You can trust him. Which leads to number two. Write this one down. Write this one down. God is committed to sovereignly providing for his children. If you are his child, he will take care of you. Now, one thing in this story happens outside of his control. Do you understand, students and adults in the back for that matter, that our God is in complete control? He's in complete control of Ruth, Naomi, Boaz, the entire time. Nothing happened outside of his control. And do you know what that means, students? That means our God is in complete control. That means you can trust him. You can trust him in the worst of times, and you can trust him in the best of times. And even though maybe at home, and at home, your life seems to be falling apart, and you're like, I don't, I don't, I don't know why, I don't understand it. Maybe you feel rejection from, from people in a friend group or others in your circle, and you're like, I don't understand it. Why is this happening? I don't know why all this drama is happening in my life. I don't know why people seem to be turning their backs on me. I don't know why my parents are going through such crap right now. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But at the end of the day, you can trust. Please listen to me, students. You can trust your Heavenly Father that He is in absolute and because he's in absolute control, you can trust him in the good times and the bad times, in the worst of times and in the best of times. Why? Because he is always working everything for your good and his glory. And even though you may not understand it on this side of eternity, you may never understand it. We can always be assured that the best times are coming because one day, God is going to come back, and He is going to make all things new. He's going to wipe away every tear, make all things new. He will be our God, and we will be our His children, and we will dwell with Him. And there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more heartache. And so you can trust Him because He's good and He loves you. Which leads to the last thing. The last thing that we see in the book of Ruth. We see that God wants to use you regardless. Students, he wants to use you to change your school, to change your career. He wants to use you. Put your yes on the table. Surrender. Be obedient. We see that he's in control. And because he's in control, we can trust him that he will provide for us. Even in our pain, he's plotting for his glory. And you're good. And lastly, we see number three, that in the gospel, God is about the business redemption. See, that word redemption is used 23 times in Ruth's four short chapters. And what we see as a result of this redemption, that the unloved are loved, the poor, they are restored, the bitterness becomes sweet. Ruth, it starts with death, Naomi losing her husband and sons, and it ends with a genealogy recounting a list of births. And that's how it goes for the Christian life. You see, the world, it starts with a birth and ends with a death. For the Christian, we realize that we are born in death 
is the theme of the Bible. It's the heart of the gospel. It's God's message to you. See, the gospel, listen to me, lean in. Nobody else getting that. Nobody else moving around. I want you to lean in. Because the Holy Spirit's going to speak in some of your hearts tonight. The gospel is not be good or try harder or work harder. Maybe God will let you in and he'll love you. No, the gospel is that Jesus cried in John, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. We were created. You were created, student, to be a child of God, to be with him as sin ruined that. Yet Jesus, Jesus, our Redeemer, loved us even when we were unlovely. He redeemed us. He died for us on the cross in our place, taking our sin upon him and died so that you and I, you and I might receive forgiveness and grace and mercy in life. You see, listen, Boaz didn't have to redeem Ruth, but he chose to. Jesus did not have to, does not have to redeem you, but he chooses to. Boaz, Boaz does not have to love Ruth, didn't have to love Ruth. Jesus, Jesus does not have to love you, but he does. And he demonstrates his love for us. God demonstrates his love for us. And now while we were still sinners, what happened? Jesus died for us. Boaz did not have to pursue after Ruth, but he did. Jesus does not have to pursue after you, but he does. And for some of you, he is pursuing you right now. Not to get at you, bring you into a relationship with him. Why? Because he loves you. And he wants to save you. Last night we gave an invitation. We had about 30 students down here that responded to the gospel. He said, someone said, I pray to receive Christ and I want Jesus to save me. And I know they were counseled with their counselor down there. And I'm just wondering tonight if there's somebody in here tonight and you're like, you know what? I should have stood up. I should have prayed. I should have came down to the front. I should have said, Jesus, I need you to save me. I missed that opportunity. Listen. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. Give you that opportunity right now, right here where you sit. To pray, God, I need you to save me. I've been running. I've been in another field. I've been leaving you. But now I want to come to you. Holy Spirit speaking to you, you felt something kind of drawing you 